Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. We will start today's segment with a report on the World Series. The Astros lost in seven. The Nationals, actually, better to say the Nationals won in seven because the Nationals won this series. In my opinion, the Astros play hard. Um, They kind of shot themselves in the foot, leaving 10 people on base three times in the series. It's it is very hard to win games when you have nine hits and only two of those manifest into runs. Um, but you have to credit the Nationals. Steven Strasburg pitched amazing. Juan Soto was very clutch in the seventh inning or later. As a team, they were very clutch in the seventh inning or later. They came back against Josh Hader, who won NL Reliever of the Year, Clayton Kershaw, Cy Young Award winner, and then um, a very good Astros bullpen one of the best in the league, and Zach Grinke, also a Cy Young Award winner. So I feel like the Nationals, they earned this World Series. They earned this win. But the Astros did help them out a bit. I'd like to say props to Zach Grinke. I mean, he did really well in the first six innings of that game. He had allowed one hit, I believe, and after that he allowed a home run, which was not ideal, but he was still doing really well. He allowed two hits in seven innings. But I really have to ask what are the Astros doing not putting in Garrett Cole? That could have been his last career game ever. But my thing is, like, what are you doing with him? Like, he's your superstar pitcher right now. He's been on fire the World Series. What are you trying to do, save him for game eight or something? Well, I think I understand where you're coming from, but to me, the Astros made the right decision. Sometimes you make the right decisions, and the game just doesn't go your way. If, if you know, look uh, – I think uh, Harris is by far our best reliever, and he had been our best reliever throughout the entire postseason. If you're in a Game 7, you have to throw your best. And to me, your best in that situation was Will Harris. And obviously he gave up the home run, but I don't think it was the wrong call from AJ. And I think also it was the correct call to bring in Osuna. That's what I thought you should do. You have to throw your best. You have to keep the game as close as possible into the ninth. I also think another thing that the Astros kind of did wrong, how can you lose – four games at home in a series. No team, I'm pretty sure, in the history of the three sports, NBA, NHL, MLB, in a seven-game series, have lost four games at home. I mean, obviously, as I said, I told you guys, don't count the Nationals out. This is a really good team. Lots of really good players. But the Astros still should have won this series. They had the lead. And I think one of the things that I think you'll get into, Thomas, is Harris had struggled a little bit recently. But still, at the same time, A.J. Hinch, A.J. Hinch is one of the reasons why the Astros were in that position in the Game 7. So you kind of have to give him some credit there. But obviously, as I'm sure you'll get into, it was a bad move to take Greinke out and not put Cole in. Okay. So, in my opinion... He should not have taken Grinky out at that time. However, I can see the point that you that you can make about how it should take him out. However, uh, Harris in the in the last game he pitched, he struggled and he gave up. He blew that game. It was plain simple. I mean, we could have won that game, but he just didn't allow it. However, uh, who 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 hit the home run again? Uh, Rendon. Rendon. Kendrick. Harris had had faced Kendricks five times in the World Series. As a man, as if you were AJ Hinch, you have to know that. I know that he's he's getting on Harris. He he knows his pitches now. He's he's on him. You cannot play Harris against someone that he's pitched against five times in the World Series. You have to assume that he's he's gonna get on the pitches. He's not gonna do as well as he had been earlier. Um, I I see how you can 
make I agree with you that Harris shouldn't have gone in, but I feel like pulling green keys is the exact right move there. I he agree. just he just absolutely floated a changeup over the middle that got crushed. And Zach Grinke lives and dies by his changeup. When that pitch is dirty, Zach Grinke is dirty. Hitters are off balance. And you saw that through the first six innings of the game. However, when that changeup goes away, he starts losing location of all his pitches. He can't build off it, as shown in the walk to Soto. I feel like A.J. Hinch made a good decision there, pulling Grinke, not letting any, hopefully not letting the damage go any worse. However, you have to know that you have Garrett Cole in your bullpen, and you have to hope that your closer can get Two outs with a man on first. If he gets two outs, which he did once the bases got loaded, he got those two outs. I feel like you have to trust that he will get those outs, and then you can pitch Cole for eight and nine. I kind of I agree with you, Jack. And also another thing that kind of is being ignored is how about Patrick Corbin? I mean, that guy pitched really well. Three amazing innings. I mean, some of those pitches, they – the Astros had no chance to stopping them. So obviously, as you said, the, the Nats also deserve a lot of credit. I mean, this is a really good team. Rendon, I mean, it's kind of ironic that Rendon, growing up in Houston, going to high school in Houston, going to college in Houston, beats Houston in the World Series. And he obviously was probably probably third or second in the MVP voting behind Strasburg and Soto, or Soto and him can go hand-in-hand. Hand. But obviously – the Nats do deserve a lot of credit, and it's just sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I think Cole probably not come back. He already he, once he left, he uh he had like he no longer was wearing an Astros hat or something, and they asked him why, and he said, "I'm not an employee of the team, so he's probably not gonna come back." I also think Correa might be gone, but this Astros team, I think its core will still be there, so it still has a chance for future years. And Rodrigo, to your point, I'm sure that hints at the fact that the Astros and Cole have had talks. Cole wants something like 8 by 30 million for his next contract that's going to make him the highest paid pitcher in baseball at 240 plus a signing bonus. Um, Correa, they have one more year of club control and then one more year of club option. Um, I think that Cole's gone for good, but you should definitely, looking forward, you should restock the farm system, trade Correa, who, by the way, hit sub-200 in the World Series. He did not produce. You have to trade Correa, restock the farm system. And Anthony Rendon is also now, he is not a Washington Nationals employee. He's not an employee of the team, and so the Astros should go after him and move Bryce to third. I think also looking at the Astros' future and also backtracking a little bit, we talk about Hinch not putting in Cole in the seventh when also Harris had been his right-hand man throughout the regular season and the postseason, but also Urquidy was still available. And I think Urquidy... He's another candidate you could put in there. But looking at the future, we, we have a good prospect in Arcadia who can blossom into something incredible. We have a young Alvarez. And also, as it's very likely Cole leaves in the offseason, Lance McCullers comes back. And I think he can turn into something good. And especially what we've seen Brent Strom and the management do with other pitchers coming to Houston. McCullers has been here, and I think he can uh, perform and, you know, obviously not take the load that Cole had, but can, uh, you know, have some of the value and get some of those wins. And, Jonah, don't forget about Kyle Tucker. He hit pretty well during the World Series. He hit very well during the playoffs. He's another young guy uh, who I think is going to turn into a very solid Astros player. I think we also see that Kyle Tucker could definitely be stepping up with Josh Reddick being in the last year of his contract. 
So I think he could be one of the elite core members of the Astros going forward. So we've talked about Baker Mayfield before on this show, but apparently there was a new Baker Mayfield story, and we are going to go to Rodrigo with that. Well, yes. So yesterday in a press conference, you know, all quarterbacks have press conference throughout the week, and Baker Mayfield's been struggling. And a reporter asked him a question. It wasn't a particularly bad question. It was a question about a drive in that Patriots game in which Baker Mayfield, much like he has all season, did not play well. And Baker Mayfield snapped at the reporter and then walked out of the press conference, proceeded to then have a couple tweets on Twitter, get mad at a few people. And I think this is just Baker Mayfield. Again, what are you doing? You're an NFL quarterback. You're not a baby. You're not a wide receiver who whose wide receivers are divas. Quarterbacks are supposed to be leaders. You shouldn't let someone, a reporter says, no matter how bad it is, get to you. You focus on your game. Don't be on Twitter. Do you see Tom Brady during the week? Be on Twitter. No, Tom Brady is working on studying the opponent's defense. And then Baker Mayfield talks about if this is just his personality. I got some news for you, Baker. Your personality is not working for you. You have twice as many interceptions as touchdowns right now. You're basically sober Johnny Manziel. So just just ridiculous. Baker Mayfield, come on, get it fixed. Your talent is there. You just need to get the mindset. I need to stop seeing you on progressive commercials because it's getting annoying. Yeah, you asked what he's doing. He's doing progressive commercials. What he's not doing is what some of the greats do. He's not doing what Drew Brees does, which is practice throws, and then in the offseason he'll go have fun. There's something on the Saints' Instagram where they do some QB challenges. It's pretty interesting. But that was in the offseason when they weren't doing anything. But now that it's season time, you don't hear a peep out of you don't hear a peep out of Drew Brees. You don't hear a peep out of Aaron Rodgers. What you do when his coach is bad. You don't hear a peep out of Tom Brady. You hear from you hear from the quarterbacks who aren't good because they get upset. However, you were hearing from Baker Mayfield when Baker Mayfield was good. And I have air quotes around that for people who cannot see my hands at home. Baker Mayfield, as we Rodrigo, you addressed this in our NFL predictions episode way back at the beginning of the season. Baker Mayfield does not he's not able to lead an NFL team. He does not have that quality. And so that's why, in my opinion, he's he's not doing so hot. His his players don't trust him. He 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 doesn't have a good relationship with all but one receiver, so he is a quote unquote one read quarterback. He's he's just not an NFL caliber quarterback. He's definitely a great college quarterback, but he did, he has not adapted his game to the NFL, which he needs to do. Well, I'll say Look, Baker has all the talent. We know he's a good football player. He's not, you know, he he hasn't played well, but he's not, I don't think, somebody like Johnny Manziel who just doesn't look like he belongs in the league. Baker has that talent, but what he doesn't have right now is the ability to lead and manage personalities. And I think Odell Beckham is one of those big personalities that if you had Tom Brady on your team or another really veteran QB like Drew Brees, you would be able to manage that personality and use that you want a certain amount of fire in your receivers because they're the guys on the field going out and battling. But with your QB, you want somebody who's calm, who knows how to lead people. And I don't think that's what Baker is. And that's what really the Browns' problem is right now. Well, you know, I wouldn't say that the wide receivers are really the one battling. It's the guys in the trenches. And I think that uh, Baker Mayfield, the talent 
eh, it's it's decent. You can see the flashes of it, but when he he's not good enough to just be out there yakking all over social media like, oh man, I'm so good. You know, when you're losing a ton of games every season, you throw a bunch of picks. No, don't do it. You're stupid. Um, what you said something about the online is I watched um one of Baker Mayfield's games. Think maybe a week ago, maybe two. He held the ball too long. Yeah. He, um, this was a criticism of Deshaun Watson last year. He takes a snap, sits there, looks, looks at his receiver. Receiver's covered. Takes a couple steps out of the pocket to the right, of course, because we know what happens when Baker Mayfield goes to the left. Mm-hmm. He he sits there for some more time, pump fakes, and then he gets his eyes up to another receiver. And by that time, he's on the ground. Yep. His O-line is doing a decent job for him. It would be, I think, beneficial to his game if Freddie Kitchens were to start calling a whole bunch of short pass plays, a quick slam. Catch it, get it, throw it. And then that way he's going to get the yards, he's going to get the stats, he's going to get the completion percentage. That'll probably calm him down a bit. I guess I just an assumption, he's, he's talking because he's mad. Mm-hmm. Get him calmed down a bit, and then we can see some Baker Mayfield talent. Uh, I think that talent's a little bit uh, shaky there, but I don't think that's going to calm him down at all. He's got the big-ass personality for all that, and you know what? I don't think anything's going to stop. I, w- I would have to agree with you on getting the short game going, but one of the other things, if that doesn't work, I think maybe at the end of a game, you're losing by a lot, game doesn't really matter, you put in the backup quarterback, Give give Baker Mayfield a little taste of reality okay. in Cleveland. And then next game you put him back in and maybe you lit a fire under him and he starts producing like he did last season. We're going to now go into our prediction segment. We are going to start today's segment with a top 10 ranked matchup coming out of the SEC. The Georgia Bulldogs playing the Florida Gators. Um, what do you think of this matchup, Rodrigo? Well, I think – Obviously, Florida is higher ranked, and people might be inclined to say they have a better team. But people forget the only reason why Georgia is low compared to in years prior and is probably not going to make the college playoff is because that loss a few weeks ago, which was really almost kind of like a fluke. I think Georgia has the better team. Georgia has a better quarterback. Sometimes Fromm can be a little iffy, but I think he'll have a really strong outing in this one because if they lose this one, they're really out for good. So I think Georgia has something to prove. I think Georgia just has talent all around him. A couple weeks ago was a fluke, and they're going to beat Florida. Well, I think this is probably going to be the biggest game of the season for both UGA and Florida because this will kind of – Decide who will be in the uh, in the championship game for their side of the uh, SEC. But so I think Georgia shows up strong, and I think really it's because they have a more well-rounded offense with DeAndre Swift and Jake Fromm. Whereas Florida's kind of only been using the past recently; they haven't stuck to the run game as much, and that's why I think Georgia's going to win. So someone correct me if I'm wrong here. These are both one-loss teams. They are both mm-hmm. one-loss. And although Florida's loss seems much stronger right now, losing to LSU instead of Georgia losing to South Carolina, mm-hmm. basically this is for who gets to play Alabama or LSU in the cha- in the SEC championship. Yeah, basically. So yeah, it's so it's who gets to play spoiler. Who gets to count one of the best teams out of the college football playoff possibly. 
or bring another one in. Honestly, I think that because of Swift and Fromm, Georgia's going to win. But I feel like both sides are going to be playing with something to prove. I feel like it really does come down to the play of Jake Fromm. If he turns the ball over a lot, puts it on the ground, gives it to some defenders, then I feel like Florida is very good at capitalizing on other teams' mistakes. But if Jake Fromm plays a pretty clean game, I feel like Georgia does have the better team and they will end up winning. And they'll probably end up playing, bold prediction, LSU in that championship game. I think this game is going to be very close. I like. I probably have to favor Florida as they're playing at home. Uh, and they have an excellent crowd. I will say that I do think it's going to come down to QB play because they both have excellent athletes. And actually, I like Florida's freshman QB. He had to step up in place of Felipe Franks, who went down, I believe, against Kentucky. That felt like the end of Florida season. However, their uh, Kyle Trask, their freshman QB, has stepped it up big time for them uh, in a couple of big wins. I think he might come out and play well, and that's why I give Florida the edge. Okay, and now we're going to transition into NFL predictions. We have Ravens. They're pretty hot right now, and they're going up against probably the best team in the league in the Patriots. Jonah, what do you think? I think, I mean, still one of the two undefeated teams up in the league. I think the Patriots handled this one pretty convincingly, even though it's in Baltimore. I, I still think the Patriots have a pretty big of an edge, and we see Bill Belichick just embarrass first and second round court or second year quarterbacks, and I don't think it'll be as bad uh, to Lamar Jackson as let's say somebody like Sam Darnold and you know the ghost incident. But I think uh, Belichick always dials up something against these first and second year quarterbacks, and the Patriots take it by at least two touchdowns and remain undefeated. So, Jonah, you referred to that Bill Belichick dials up something. What he dials up is a blitz. He'll play um zero, yeah. he'll play single high, he'll play zero coverage. But that might play quite well into Lamar Jackson's strength as a runner. If he can escape the blitz, he's got an open ten yards ahead of him. If so I would look to a lot of QB draws, a lot of undesigned scramble plays from Lamar Jackson. I feel like if if the Patriots defense can tackle Lamar Jackson in the pocket, if they can take away his shake, then the Patriots will have a very easy win. But if Lamar Jackson can put a hole in Bill Belichick's blitz, um, I feel like this will actually turn out to be a closer game than a lot of people will think. I actually think Lamar Jackson will do a good job. And even though the Patriots win, it'll be by three instead of ten. I think this game has two of the best defenses in the NFL right now. And I think this game will be so close. It'll be going to overtime in uh, in Baltimore, and after that, I think that both of these two quarterbacks are so extremely clutch that whoever wins the coin toss in overtime will win the game. My prediction is that this game will end up being a battle of the defenses. Like GW said, they both have extremely good defenses, but they also both have like a lot of elite players, for example, Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady. And um, I think that's why it's going to be a defensive battle, just to see who can contain the quarterbacks the best. Well, I like the Patriots in this one. Uh, obviously, their defense is probably the best in the league. They have Stephon Gilmore. I think Belichick will be able to confuse Lamar Jackson. But I also think the Ravens, just by virtue of Lamar having so much talent, might hit one or two big plays and keep the game somewhat close. But I think the deciding factor will actually be Muhammad Sanu getting traded 
from the Falcons to the Patriots, I think he's going to have a big week this week because I think he fits into the Patriots system very nicely, has the same values. In If you watch his press conference, I think he's getting along with Tom Brady much more than Antonio Brown was. So I think that that's going to propel them to the win. And Murrah, to your point, did you see um, that when he when Brady found out that Sanu was traded, he DM'd him. He's like, you can hey, have 12. you can have 12 yeah. if you want. Sanu was like, no, I'm good. I'll, He's like, no, nah, 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 that's your number. thing. You can keep it. Um, I also think the Patriots are going to win. I disagree with you, Jack Ringgold. I don't think that Bill Belichick is going to die off a of blitz. I think he's going to make Lamar beat him with his arm, try to confuse him in coverage because – we all know that Lamar is an elite runner, probably the best running quarterback since Michael Vick in the NFL. But when it comes to throwing, he's definitely improved. But I don't think you can say that he has he's an above average throwing quarterback. I think he may be average at best, maybe. So I don't I think this game will actually not be close, unlike you guys think. I think this Patriots defense, if it keeps going like it's going, it will. it's on pace to be the greatest defense of all time statistically. Stephon Gilmore, as you said, candidate for defensive player of the year, best corner in the league. Him and Ramsey, you can go either way. And I just think this Patriots defense will be too much for Lamar. Brady, he's not going to turn it over. He's still Brady, even though he's definitely not the same player he was a few years ago. And I just think the Patriots are the better team and the better coach team. And when you have the greatest quarterback and the greatest coach of all time, you're usually going to win those games. I favor the Patriots. I mean, not by that much, but I'm interested to see what uh, newcoming players are going to do, honestly. Uh, honestly, I... I think it's going to be a close game, but the Patriots are going to win. I think, like, I, as I think Jack said, it's all going to come down to can the Patriots stop uh, Lamar Jackson's running? Because if, if they can, then he's going to have to throw it in. As Rodrigo said, he's not that much – or he might not even be a, an above-average throwing quarterback. So if they can stop him running, he's, he's not going to be very effective. There is course. one thing. Patrick Ricard, the fullback oh for the oh Ravens, he's one of the best younger fullbacks in the league. You see, there's kind of some more veteran fullbacks like James Devlin. He's still really good. But Patrick Ricard, he, he could be an up-and-coming fullback. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If he gets in the game, yes. Also, keep an eye on that defense. That's going to be interesting to watch. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.